0: all year long. Check out Olay's new Indulgent Moisture Body Wash online or at your favorite retailer.
1: Before AI can help your business predict demand, accelerate growth, inform decisions, automate tasks, reveal insights, generate content, you have to trust it. Introducing WatsonX Governance, helping you govern any AI as data, models, and policies change so you can scale it responsibly. Let's create AI that begins with trust with Watson X Governance. Learn more at ibm.com slash governance. IBM. Let's create.
0: Welcome to Stuff You Missed in History Class from HowStuffWorks.com. Hello and welcome to the podcast. I'm Holly Fry. And I'm Tracy V. Wilson. And today we're going to talk about something that's come up on the podcast before, which is Piracy. But we're going to talk about a pirate that doesn't always get a lot of play in history and retellings. Uh It's Steve Bonnet, who was often referred to as the Gentleman Pirate. Right. This is a pirate that that I have heard about because I grew up in North Carolina. And if you grow up in North Carolina, often you hear a lot about pirates. Yeah. And he, uh, his career, you know, intersected with North Carolina many times. And so he is often heard about there and in some of the nautical museums there, but it's like the further inland you get from North Carolina, the less and less you hear about him. Uh, He had a very short career in piracy, and it was really out of character for him. He was a retired military man, even though he was quite young. And then he sort of seemingly suddenly left his family to pursue this life of piracy. And historians have theorized about what caused this. Some say it could have actually been a midlife crisis of some sort, uh, it could have been the result of financial issues. It could have been brought about by a mental break. Uh, and what's really interesting is that his story is actually tied to Blackbeard. But Bonnet is often left out of the accounts of it, of Blackbeard's happenings, or he's just sort of mentioned in passing. Uh, but he is really fascinating because he had this educated demeanor and he was very stylish. And it earned him this nickname, the Gentleman Pirate. Bonnet was born in 1688 in Barbados. His great-grandfather was one of Barbados's first English settlers. And he was actually orphaned as a child. Even though he was born to a good family, he was not without, uh, you know, difficulty. But he inherited a 400-acre estate that was managed for him by a guardian until he reached adulthood. He married Mary Allenby, who was also from a wealthy plantation family in 1709. So that was when he was about 21. And he uh, retired from military life to run a sugar plantation in Barbados. And he spent a little less than a decade after leaving the military, kind of making a go at family life and, you know, running the plantation. But that was all he could handle, apparently. In a general history of the pirates from their first rise and settlement of the Island of Providence to the present time, which was written by captain Charles Johnson and sometimes attributed to Daniel Defoe and first published in 1724. It is written of Bonnet. He had the least temptation of any man to follow such a course of life from the condition of his circumstances. It was very surprising to everyone to hear of the majors enterprise in the Island where he lived And he and as he was generally esteemed and honored before he broke out into open acts of piracy, for he was afterwards rather pitied than condemned. So at the time, during the 17 teens, it really was not unheard of for people to turn to piracy in desperation or in a bid to fight the establishment and the growing gap between the rich and the poor. But Bonnet was an educated man from a good family, so it initially does seem kind of incongruous to think of him in those terms. But there are some clues about why he actually may have changed the course of his life. Some historians have suggested that he was probably a supporter of James Stuart as King of England and felt a sense of rebellion against the German-born George I. So Jacobite politics may have played a part in that decision, in his decision to become a pirate. And it's also worth noting that Bonnet borrowed about 1,700 pounds, which is the equivalent of roughly $400,000 today, around 1717. So it's possible that he was having financial troubles or that the plantation wasn't going well. Although it's also possible he wanted the money to start his pirate enterprise. Nobody's going to loan you money to start a pirate business. Well, he didn't tell people that's what he was doing. Uh, On a more sad note, his firstborn son died as a baby, which some believe to have catalyzed a mental break. He was also said to have experienced some, quote, discomforts he found in a married state. So, in other words, some historians theorize that he was nagged so much that he ran away to be a pirate. So his start in the world of piracy is really unusual. He actually had his ship, uh, which he called Revenge, built and outfitted with cannons at a local Barbados shipyard, and he started that around 1716. Uh, Colin Woodard, who is the author of the book The Republic of Pirates, posits that Bonnet likely told people the ship was ingen- intended for a legitimate privateering plan. And I know to some people, privateering and piracy have s- sort of become a little bit interchangeable, but there is a nuance of difference there. So just in case you do not know, uh, the distinction is that privateers are acting on behalf of a governing nation, while pirates don't really answer to anybody. But their methods are virtually identical in many cases, which has kind of fueled the confusion of the interchangeability of those words. In any case, instead of contracting with the government, Bonnet made a nighttime departure on the ship Revenge in April of 1717. And under cover of night, he, head, he headed toward North America, calling himself Captain Edwards. And this is a good time to mention that Bonnet had no knowledge about seafaring. He was really sort of a landlubber. Uh, and so it's unusual and bizarre. It just kind of feeds that whole... Uh, image of him as one of those, like, wh- why did you do this? You're making a really rash decision, even though he clearly had planned ahead to some degree. Well, and it's also unusual in that most pirates would start their career as in piracy by commandeering another vessel. They would steal somebody else's ship, but he went and built one. He and, financed it. And paid for everything <laughs> himself, or maybe with this loan from before. Yeah, Uh and he first headed for the Virginia coast, and he actually successfully took several ships. But it's probably the uh, 70 men on his crew that really should get the credit for that initial success, because some of them were pretty experienced pirates. And it's unlikely that he really uh, had much in the way of leadership skills, since he didn't know seafaring and had never been pirating before. The revenge then headed to New York and took a sloop that had been headed for the West Indies. And they landed a group of men at Gardner's Island, which you may remember from our Goody Garlic episode, where they actually bought provisions instead of stealing them. Yeah, so it it again kind of fuels that image of him as something of a gentleman that he's like, no, let's go buy things instead of uh, just plundering for what we need. Uh, but beginning in August of that same year, so we're still in 1717, Captain Edwards and the Revenge's crew attacked a number of vessels near the Charleston Harbor. But after their exploits there culminated in setting fire to a sloop in a North Carolina inlet, which he apparently did become a fan of setting fire to ships after he had taken them, uh, Baudet and his crew kind of couldn't decide what they wanted to do for their next course of action. And they eventually made their way south to Honduras which is where uh, Blackbeard enters the tale. Because Bonnet wasn't really experienced in maritime affairs, he would usually yield to others. So when he fell into company with Edward Teach, also known as Blackbeard, while he was in Honduras, the experienced and hardened Teach easily became the alpha male in their relationship. Yeah, Bonnet's crew joined Blackbeard's, and Bonnet kind of became a superfluous figure rather rapidly. Uh, Bonnet had been recovering from injuries at the time after a bad encounter with a Spanish warship, and he also lost some of his crew. And he apparently agreed to this situation, thinking it was a temporary setup, like, oh, you'll just handle things while I'm not feeling well. Right. Blackbeard had something else in mind. Mm -hmm. He saw Bonnet's weakness and decided to seize command of the Revenge. Bonnet spent his time on Blackbeard's ship without anything to do while Blackbeard's first mate ran the revenge. And while the relationship seemed to be friendly enough, Bonnet realized he was basically a captive. And he became, you know, kind of depressed and melancholy. He openly told the crew that he was unhappy and that he had tired of the pirate life and that he would really like to start a new life in Spain or Portugal because he would be, quote, ashamed to see the face of any Englishman again. I just, I have to interject here that if I were uh, being held prisoner on Blackbeard's ship, I don't know that I would go around saying that I was tired of the pirate life openly to people. Yeah, but accounts kind of paint it as though he was sort of endeared to the men, and this didn't make them think any less of him. Like, they almost sort of loved him more for it in the the various tellings of it. So whether that's true or not, I don't know, but I thought it was interesting uh, and while these two were sailing, quote, together, but I mean, they were technically in the same place, but not really partners. Uh, this is when Blackbeard actually took the frigate La Concorde and then rechristened it to be Queen Anne's Revenge, which is his famous flagship. Uh, on June 10th, 1718, the Queen Anne's Revenge ran aground at Topsail Inlet, which is now known as Beaufort Inlet. And there's actually some debate over whether this was accidental or if Teach was trying to break up the 400 men under him. Uh, it, he kind of recognized that the winds were changing for pirates and that maybe running in a big pack was not smart. But again, this is a matter of some historical debate. Uh, Teach was an accomplished sailor, so it would be a little unusual for him to be caught off guard and run aground, but at the same time, Anything's possible. So I just feel like we should have that aside. So while the Queen Anne's Revenge is run aground, Bonnet went to Bath, North Carolina. He wanted to take a pardon that had been offered by the king. The king's proclamation had come out on September the 5th, 1717, and stated that pirates surrendering to authorities, quote, should have his most gracious pardon. But when Bonnet returned to the ships, he found that Teach had stripped the revenge and abandoned more than two dozen crew members on a small island. Uh, The stranded crew members had believed they were doomed to die, so it's likely that Bonnet's arrival was really quite welcome. So at this point, having accepted the pardon, Bonnet's slate was clean. He invited all the abandoned men to join him, refitted the revenge, and renamed it the Royal James. His plan was to sail to St. Thomas and seek out a privateering commission. But they never made it to St. Thomas. No, the uh, the crew that he had invited to join him were all on board with this privateering plan. But as they were preparing to set sail, a boat that had come up against them just meaning adjacent to them, to sell apples and cider to the men, actually informed them that Blackbeard and a small crew of 18 or 20 men were at Ocracoke Inlet. Uh, They were having a big party, which is famous in its own right. So that's uh, the Blackbeard side of the story. Uh, But Bonnet immediately acted upon this information and went in pursuit of Teach because he was still kind of smarting from the way things went down. Glow with your best skin. Be confident in your skin. Privileges and start earning points toward your next day. Find a stay for any you. Book directly at choicehotels.com, where travels come true.
2: Happy Pride from Tomboy X. Celebrating pride in the queer community all year
0: After four days of looking for Teach with no success, they instead headed not to St. Thomas, but to Virginia. So it seems that his resolve to go legit was not really that strong. No, and in July of 1718, they actually took provisions, which they were desperate for, from another ship that they encountered. But they didn't want the act to be recorded as piracy. So in return, they gave, quote, eight or ten casks of rice and an old cable in lieu thereof. So they kind of were like, we want to make this fair, even though we kind of raided you, but we're we're not pirates. We just need stuff. Next, the major, who was now going by the name Captain Thomas, and his crew encountered a sloop off of Cape Henry and looted her for liquor. Bonnet sent eight men over to the sloop, theoretically to take care of the ship, but maybe to make some kind of a deal. But they joined that crew and sailed away with them. And at this point, uh, somewhere around this time, Bonnet just sort of threw all caution to the wind and went headfirst back into a life of piracy. He really abandoned that whole concept of privateering. And the Royal James then made its way up and down the Atlantic coast, taking and plundering vessel after vessel. At the end of July 1718, Bonnet had sailed to the Cape Fear River, where he and his crew found themselves stuck for repairs. The Royal James was terribly leaky, and it needed to be fixed to remain seaworthy. So it sat for nearly two months while the work was done. Which is a long time for a boat to just sit there, especially when it is a boat full of criminals. Uh, so when word reached the Council of South Carolina that a pirate sloop was careened in Cape Fear, Colonel William Rett set out to find and capture Bonnet. And Rett had under his command two ships, the Henry and the Sea Nymph. On September 26, 1718, Rhett's two sloops ran aground while headed up the Cape Beer River. While they were getting back on float, Bonnet's pirates found them, and the crew manned three canoes to take the ships. The pirates didn't know who they were attempting to take, but realized quickly and turned around to deliver a report to Bonnet. And Bonnet was incensed by this. Uh, that night, he penned a letter to the governor of Carolina that said if those two sloops had been sent against him by that governor, and if Bonnet got clear of those two sloops, he was going to burn and destroy every single vessel coming and going out of South Carolina. He's basically like, you better hope you win this, because if you don't and I find out you were actually behind it, I'm basically going to ruin your life. The next day, September 27th, 1718, a battle ensued that lasted for hours. At one point, both Rhett's ships and Bonnet's ship were run aground in the shallow water as they tried to maneuver. And there was trash talking from the pirates to the colonel's crews. Both ships were horribly damaged. It was really everything that you would expect to see in a Hollywood blockbuster about pirates. But eventually, Rhett's sloop was the first to float. And as his command was about to deliver the finishing blow to the pirate ship, Bonnet sent up a flag of truce and his crew surrendered themselves as prisoners. So all that trash talking got real quiet. And they uh, they all surrendered. The Henry lost 10 men and had 14 wounded. And the Sea Nymph lost two men and had four wounded. Two of those died from their wounds not long after. Colonel Rett then set sail from Cape Fear with his captives on September 30th. And he arrived in what was called Charlestown at the time, but is Charleston now, on October 3rd. And on October 5th, the Bonnet's crew was placed in a watch house that was guarded by the militia because there wasn't an actual prison that could hold them. Uh, Bonnet entered the custody of the marshal at his house, and two other crew members were eventually moved to the marshal's house just a few days later. They were... Uh, determined to be important uh, in terms of evidence and testimony for the trial. On October 24th, Bonnet and one of the other men, he was named Harriet, escaped. The third man, a bosun, refused to go with them. Rumors of incompetency and bribery in relation to the escape immediately started to circulate. The governor offered a reward of 700 pounds to the person who captured the fugitives. And it turned out that Colonel Rett... Uh, who was pursuing them in addition to other people after the reward uh, was the one that recaptured Bonnet and Harriet was actually killed during the pursuit. He was shot on October 28th. Trials of the crew began in Charlestown before judge trot all, but four were found guilty and sentenced to death. And on Saturday, November 8th of 1718, the guilty men were all executed at white point, which is near Charleston. But on November 10th, Steve Bonnet's trial began It lasted two days, and he was found guilty. He attempted to shift some of the blame to Blackbeard, but that was really futile. It was obvious that he had willingly participated in a lot of these activities. In the Lord Chief Justice's speech pronouncing Bonnet's sentence, he said, while tallying the Major's many acts of piracy, not to mention the many acts of piracy you committed before, for which, if your pardon from man was never so authentic, yet you must expect to answer for them before God. His speech goes on for many, many pages of the 1724, quote, General History of Pirates, which you can read online because we will link to it in our show notes. Uh Yeah, also in the chief justice's speech, there is a lot of talk about not only was he a pirate, but he was also a murderer, and it was a lot of, the wrath of God is coming for you. He was so incensed that this man had been pardoned and then went back to this life and did a lot of horrible things. He really was uh, not short of breath when it came to condemnation in that speech. And Bonnet was executed by hanging on December 10th of 1718. And he was only 30 at that point, And he had spent less than two years living the life of a pirate. So after his what may have been a mental break, he kind of burned it out. He just gunned it uh, and then was no more. So he kind of did the live fast, die young thing in the 1700s. Right. In my imagination, I feel like he was going for Han Solo and wound up as Tobias Fünke. Yeah, but still sort of oddly beloved, which is the interesting part of it. But I kind of oddly beloved Tobias Fünke. <laughs> That's true. It all makes sense. Uh, so yeah, that is the story of Steed Bonnet, which is a brief but fascinating Life is a pirate. Yeah, kind of from the, uh, almost a pretender's perspective, since he kind of buys his way into that world. Right. I feel like it's the 18th century version of buying a shiny sports car and then going on a cross-country spree of, of crime. Yeah, and as I said at the top of the podcast, there are historians who have likened it to his midlife crisis. But hopefully, you know, most midlife crises don't end quite so dramatically. But... Now I want to talk about the history of midlife crises, because that seems to me like a very modern invention to bestow upon a pirate. I concur. So we can put that on the list for future podcasts. Yes. I believe you also have some listener mail. I do. This email came from our listener, Kelly Joe and it is about happy birthday. And she says, Hi, ladies. I enjoyed your happy birthday podcast and wanted to drop a quick note with a story. I work at a university and my office, like many offices, has a tradition of celebrating staff birthdays with cake and a rendition of Happy Birthday. This past year, I had a graduate assistant, Kunlun, who was from China. And on Kunlun's birthday, we of course sang her Happy Birthday. Out of curiosity, I asked her if there was a Happy Birthday type song in China. Much to my surprise, she broke into a song in Mandarin set to the exact tune of Happy Birthday. Little did I know that the tune crossed cultural borders as well. Thanks for your work on the podcast. So I love that story, Kelly jo. Uh And that's one of those things that I... It, we even talked about how it's been published in many languages. But for some reason, if it's not like a Germanic or a Romance language, it seems really almost startling to me when the standard happy birthday tune gets used. Right, especially since in a lot of other cultures the the scale for music is entirely different from the one used for happy birthday. Yes, and when I read this, it reminded me of a restaurant that we have here in Atlanta that is a really fantastic Vietnamese restaurant. And if you've ever been there when they've celebrated a birthday... They do this really interesting recording that they play through the loudspeakers in the restaurant. And it starts out like the standard happy birthday, but then it riffs into some whole other song. And that's their standard. I've been there several times when they've done it, and it's always that. And I always mean to ask them if that's the normal way that uh, they would sing happy birthday in Vietnam, or if that is a special recording that they just think is fun. But then I always forget and get distracted by my delicious dessert. Yeah. <laughs> So I, I want to find out now. And if we have any listeners that are Vietnamese or are uh, really familiar with Vietnamese culture and can answer that question, feel free. Yes, we also had lots of people who linked us up with awesome other alternatives to Happy Birthday on our Facebook wall. We reposted some of them, but not all. Yes, my personal favorite, still The Simpsons. Yes. You're the birthday, you're the birthday, you're the birthday, boy or girl. <laughs> <laughs> Although it's sung, but I will not sing. No. Uh, if you would like to write to us with Happy Birthday stories or anything else, uh, you may do so at Podcast at com. You can also connect with us on Twitter at in History, on Facebook at Facebook.com slash History Class Stuff, on Tumblr at MissedInHistory.tumblr.com, and you can find us on Pinterest. If you would like to learn more about what we talked about today, you can go to our website and type in the word piracy in the search bar, and you will get how pirates work. I wrote that. I know. I know. You're a smarty pants. Uh, you can learn about any number of other things as well at our website, which is HowStuffWorks.com.
1: For more on this and
0: thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. Netflix streams TV shows and movies directly to your home, saving you time, money, and hassle. As a Netflix member, you can instantly watch TV episodes and movies streaming directly to your PC, Mac, or right to your TV with your Xbox 360, PS3, or Nintendo Wii console, plus Apple devices, Kindle, and Nook. Get a free 30-day trial membership. Go to www.netflix.com and sign up now all year long. Check out Olay's new indulgent moisture body wash online or at your favorite retailer.
2: You wouldn't expect to hear that we're America's third best city for beer like this one. Or home to vibes like this. And this. It might surprise you that we're top 10 for immersive art that's like, whoa. And, hmm, not to mention we have one of the top zoos in the country. So can a city with the country's best pro soccer team, ranking as a top culinary destination in the world, Be in your own backyard? Yes, Columbus. Plan your summer at experiencecolumbus.com slash summer.